For those of you who have been coming the last couple of weeks or so, you'll know that we're going through a series about freedom. And three headings, set free, living free, and bringing freedom. And so this morning, we're on the last one on set free, and the PowerPoint should come up in a moment. And the title is, The Richest Ransom. The Richest Ransom. If you've got your Bible, if you would turn to 1 Timothy 2, and if you've not, then just sit back and listen. I'm actually reading from the message version this morning. Don't often use the message version, but sometimes it's just refreshing to hear it put in a quite different way. So 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 6. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray everywhere you know how, for everyone you know. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well, so we can be quietly about the business of living our lives simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Saviour God wants us to live. He wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, everyone to get to know the truth, we've learned that there's one God, and only one, and one priest mediator between God and us, Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them free. Eventually, the news is going to get out. This and this only has been my appointed work. Getting this news to those who've never heard of God and explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God of freedom. I thank you, Lord, that you are the greatest freedom fighter that there has ever been and ever will be. I thank you that it is your heart that every single one of us in this room should be set free. So Holy Spirit, come and minister deep into our hearts just how that is possible. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to start by looking at some of the costly ransoms that have happened and a lot of the ransoms we don't even hear about because they're secret, but here are some that have gone public. And so the first one is Patsy Hurst and she was ransomed for $6 million in 1994. Uh, Then the next one, we've got the crew of San Dream and the crew were ransomed for $9 million in 2010. And then we've got George and Juan Bourne, and they were ransomed for $60 million in 1974, equivalent of about $293 million in today's money. That's a lot of money, isn't it? They were from a wealthy business background. Looking at the dictionary definition for ransom, uh, just to pick three, One, obtain the release of a captive by paying a ransom. You could slightly amend that. A captive being set free by a ransom being paid. 
2. The redemption of a prisoner, slave, or kidnapped person, of captured goods, etc., for a price. And lastly, a means of deliverance or rescue from punishment for sin. I've just mentioned a taboo word, and we've sung a lot about this taboo word this morning. I didn't know the songs that Nikki was going to choose, but they were perfect. The taboo word of sin. Our society absolutely hits the word sin. We don't want our shortcomings and our failures to be highlighted. We want to sweep them under the carpet and deny their existence in our lives. You know, the reality is that I believe, and you can challenge me if you think differently, but I believe that we've all missed our own standard. You know, things like, you know, say, I'm not going to lose my temper again. And then what do you do? You blow up and you lose your temper. In the New Testament part of the Bible, which was written in Greek, there are 33 words for sin, and there are six main root words from which most of those come, and all six present a position, a state, a condition, or acts which fall short of the holy character of God. The main word, amatri, is used 200 times, and it literally means to miss the mark. I have uh, a picture of a little guy up here, and uh, he's built himself a target, <laughs> and uh, he, he's been busy trying to hit that target, and he's fired off seven arrows, three have missed the target, four have hit it, none of it the bullseye. He looks a pretty miserable guy, doesn't he? And uh, that maybe is a picture of quite a lot of us. And uh, in terms of missing the mark, talking about missing the mark, I was at Mike's house last night with a few of the guys watching the Tottenham Middlesbrough game. (laughs) Talk about Mr. Mark, goodness me, it was an evening of missing the mark. They managed to get one on target. But if I was to go around and interview you, and probably most people on the planet and ask you a couple of questions. One, do you have a moral standard in your heart which you want to live up to? Things like, I don't want to kill anybody. Things like, I don't want to cheat on anybody. Uh, I don't want to lose my temper. Whatever it is, those things are like a moral target, the mark that you are aiming for. Question two, do you always hit the target? Or do you sometimes miss the mark? I would think that most people would say they do have a moral target that is in their heart. And I think that most people would be honest enough to say, I have missed the target that I have set for myself. But much, 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 much worse than that We've all completely missed the, the, the mark, the standard that God has set. If we look at the next target, and this is God's standard, 
And, you know, we, we might get pretty close to it sometimes in some ways, but we can never hit the target. We can never hit the standard of God's target. You see, Paul, a first century Christian, wrote to Christians in Rome and he said this. He said, for all have sinned, and that word is to miss the mark. For all have missed the mark and fall short of the glory of God. You know, God is awesome in every way. We use the word awesome quite cheaply now, but God really is awesome in every single way. His character is faultless. He is morally perfect. Perfect in love. Perfect in self-control. Perfect in patience. Perfect in justice. Full to the max of joy. There is no dirt on God. No dirt. He is 100% pure. I, I love what it says in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. And when I read this, you might wonder why I love it, but I'll explain. Revelation 21, verse 27, it's, it's sharing about God's dwelling place, about the new heaven. And it says this, Nothing impure will ever enter it. Now anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Why do I love that verse? I love it because God says that all the mess on earth, all the hate, the violence, the lies, the stealing, the cheating, the lusting, the greed, the envy, the jealousy, the gossiping, the pride, the selfishness, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the slander, etc., etc., etc. None of it, none of it will ever enter heaven. Are you glad about that? I, I don't want to spend eternity in a place like earth, a place of sin, and the consequences of sin, where there is death, where there is pain, where there is mourning, where there is crying, all of which fall short of the glory of God. Yes, God's kingdom breaks in, and we see something of that wonderful kingdom, but... These other things are present with us. Just listen to the news. Heaven is a place filled with the glory of God. Unspoilt beauty. Moral perfection. Life to the full. A place of light where there is no darkness at all. I'm glad that all the mess of earth is not going to mess up heaven. So what hope do any of us have because we've all messed up? We've all missed the mark. We cannot get into heaven on our own. In short, we all need saving. And this is of paramount importance. It is our greatest need. Sin will take us down to hell. We need rescuing 
from it. We need to be set free. The great news is we can, there is a way. In Revelation 21-27, there comes an important little word, but, nothing impure or shameful or deceitful will enter heaven, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist, who was in Bethany in Israel, saw Jesus Christ walking towards him, and he said, Guys, look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Theresa May cannot take away the sin of the world. Donald Trump cannot take away the sin of the world. The Pope cannot take away the sin of the world. But Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, can. In Revelation 5, we have a glimpse of heaven. And they're singing a song about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And here are some of the lyrics. You were slain, and with your blood you purchased men and women for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. There is a price for freedom from sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. There is a person of freedom from sin. It is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. There is a place of freedom from sin. It is the cross of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who was slain. Before the time of Jesus Christ, when they sacrificed the Lamb, a young sheep, it had to be without defect. They couldn't pick the weak and the blind and the lame and the worthless Lamb and sacrifice it. No, they had to choose the very, very Best. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God without blemish. I'm going to say something which is absolutely staggering, and most of you probably already know it. Jesus was tempted in every way, every way, just as we are, yet he didn't yield to those temptations. He never sinned. Isn't that staggering? Therefore he knew no guilt. He knew no shame. He had no regrets. Because all of his deeds, all of his words, all of his thoughts were 100% pure. Were 100% perfect. 100% true. He who knew no sin, was made sin for us. How? God the Father laid on Jesus Christ the sin of the whole world. That shouldn't come as a surprise, because the whole reason that Jesus came to earth 
The whole reason he left the splendor of heaven was for this purpose. Paul writing to Timothy said this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. He's really nailing this, isn't he? You know, listen up, guys. This is really important stuff. It's true. It deserves you to really accept it fully. What? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save sinners. Before time began, this richest ransom, the one for sin, was planned And then 2,000 years ago in our history, that plan was executed. Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before the shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I don't know if you go to the Royal Cornwall show. Every year that I've been, they've always had the sheep shearing competition. You ever seen it? I'm a farmer's boy. And so I have seen many, many sheep sheared. And there's one thing that has surprised me. It's amazed me that even when these sheep are having their coats cut off their backs, none of them have ever uttered a bleat. Jesus, the sacrificial lamb of God, was silent before those who falsely accused him. Silent before those who spat on him and taunted him. Those who despised him and rejected him and then sentenced him unjustly to execution on a cross. He is nailed to the cross and suddenly he is hit by the immense burden of the sin of the whole world for all time. All the weight of all the guilt and all the shame of all sin was placed on him. I have experienced the guilt and the shame of my own sin and the sin of those around me who've affected me. It hurt. It was painful. There was a dark and a dirty aspect to that. I cannot imagine the level of hurt and pain and dirt and darkness that Jesus took upon himself that was placed on him. All our pain and hurt, all our darkness and deceit was laid on him. What agony he suffered. Our sin deserved the death penalty. The wages of sin is death, ultimate death in hell. Jesus paid the death penalty. He bought our hell. The writer said, in my place, condemned. He stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah! What a saviour. This is the richest ransom price that will ever be paid. No one will ever come close to this rich ransom price. I have a short DVD clip 
And this DVD clip will communicate what I've been endeavouring to say this morning in a more powerful way than my words can communicate. This is a little bit graphic, particularly towards the beginning, and it depicts Jesus on the cross. So if you struggle with that sort of thing, then please feel free not to look. But if you can, I'd encourage you to look. It's not as graphic as the Passion of the Christ, if you've seen that. It's entitled, Jesus, Lamb of God. Let's just watch it. Father, into your hands 
I commit my spirit.